Well, good morning, Redemption City Church. You know, I hope and pray that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know that some of you all were not able to celebrate uh, the way you usually do because it's 2020. But I do pray that you all were able to overeat like you usually do. Thanksgiving is the one day of the year that the Lord does not count the sin of gluttony against us. It is written in the book of Second Gluttonous that the Lord shall not hold the sin of gluttony against you on one day of year. And that's Thanksgiving. So hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It is good to be with you uh, this morning as we open up God's Word to the book of James. So grab your Bibles wherever you are at the coffee table, in the living room, in your bedroom. Grab your Bibles and open up to the book of James. And I know over this past week, you've probably heard a, a lot of things over Thanksgiving, had a lot of conversation around the table, maybe with friends or family, socially distanced. Maybe you heard that Black Friday is the day in which you can receive all good things. Now, beloved, hear the word of God. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of creation. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we ask in this moment that you would cut through, that you would break through everything, Lord, distractions, our minds, our thoughts, and that you would speak a word directly to your people. Lord, we need to hear from you this day as every other day. Open our ears, open our hearts. We need to hear from you. If we don't hear from you, O oh Lord, what will we do? Speak, O oh Lord, for your servants. Are listening. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, saints, verse, verse 16 is the hinge on our entire sermon this morning. It is the hinge that swings from last week all the way up until this week. Verse 16 says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. That is the hinge. And as we look at that phrase, don't be deceived, let's make a couple of observations. The first observation is this, that it is possible for us to be deceived. No one listening to me, no one hearing me, not even the person preaching right now is deception proof. It is possible, which is why James writes, do not be deceived. I know your minds are blown, but it is possible for us to be deceived. Observation two, do not be deceived is referring to what we discussed last week. Do you remember that? And that in us, evil desires are already there. They're already present. Temptation and being lured away by temptation happens because of the evil desires of our own passions. So what James is saying in verse 16 is don't be deceived by yourselves. 
Did you know that you and I have the ability to deceive ourselves? Wow, mind blown. This word deceived here means being misled, going off of a path to have a wrong view. Wow, James, you're you're saying that within us lies the ability to cause our own selves to have a wrong view, to cause our own selves to be misled. A wrong view, again, the hinge from last week, a wrong view from where temptation comes from, how we fall. The wrong view is that it's everyone else's fault. When I sin, when I do wrong, when I go astray, it's, it's not me. And James says, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. When, when you are lured away into temptation, the, the fault, the person whose fault that is you, you go right to the mirror and you look at that person and that person staring back at you is the one whose fault it is. Do not be deceived. Observation number three. Do not be deceived. Again, this is the hands from last week to this week. James says, do not be deceived on where good things come from. We know they don't come from us. We just discovered last week that the only thing that sort of comes from us and springs forth from us are these evil desires and passions. We're led astray and we're easily led astray. But good things, James says, Perfect things, they come from the Father. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. The good things that you have in your life are not because you work so hard to get them. The good things that you have in your life is not because you're so smart and smarter than everyone else or so good looking. That's not why you have good things. The good things that you have is not because you come from the right family or the right state or the right city. James says, every good and perfect gift is not from here. It's not from where we are. It's from above. This is why, beloved, every single week when we gather, whether online or in person, this is why we pause for a moment and and give back to the Lord. The reason why we give Back to the Lord. That word back is critical because James says the Lord first gives to us and he withholds no good thing from us. And so as we give back in our offerings and give back in our tithes, we are just acknowledging the fact that, Lord, that what you say in your word, it is true. Every good and perfect thing comes from you so I can give this back for you because you have no lack in giving to me. Let's dive into this text a little bit more. Notice those wonderful, those loaded two words, good and perfect. These two words are in direct contrast to what James says last week about temptation. James says that when we yield to temptation, it gives birth to sin and the end of sin is death. This week, he says that all good and perfect gifts are from God. So this word good here in James chapter 1 is a word that stands directly against the word temptation. 
And this word perfect here in the text is the word that stands directly over against the word death from last week. In other words, when God first gives a gift, it is good. And that gift is good for the entire cycle of that gift. The the gift never wears out. It never breaks down. The gifts that God gives, they start off good, but they end perfect. That is, God's gifts get better over time. Not so with sin and temptation. When you're tempted, you're lured away, and it breeds sin. And at the end of that sin, it leads to death. But James says that's the opposite with God. He gives good gifts, and at the end of those gifts, oh, man, they're perfect. God's gifts, they, they last. The, the things of this world, they, they so easily fade away. Even our own desires, our own passions, they, they sort of lead us down this path that we think is good, but at the end of it, James says it's death. Good and perfect. Good and perfect also mean in James that it lacks no moral imperfection. That the gifts that God gives, there is not a hint or a spot of evil in the gifts that God gives. In other words, brothers and sisters, the gifts that God gives, James wants us to understand, they lead to our sanctification. The gifts that God gives lead us to look more like Jesus Christ tomorrow than what we do today. They lead us to look more like Jesus Christ a month from now than what they do today. The gifts that God gives are to draw you to himself. They're not to pull you away to your own evil desires. They are perfect. They lack no moral imperfection. So what James is saying is that when God gives a gift, the the goal of it is to say, Lord, thank you. Draw me closer to yourself. So brothers and sisters, you, you can rest assured. That if, you, if you're believing that God has given you a gift, and that gift is pulling you away from, from all things God-related, that that thing is pulling you away from all things spiritual, that thing is pulling you away from all things that would have you look to Jesus Christ, you can be assured that one of two things is going on. Either that gift is not from God, Because God is not giving you a gift that's going to pull you away from him. Or you're abusing the gift that God has given you. There are times in our lives when God gives us gifts. He he blesses us. He he gives material things at times. And sometimes we abuse those things. Gifts spouses and children and jobs and education. And at times we, we abuse those things. We can rest assured that wasn't the end of those gifts. James says that every gift that God gives is good and it is perfect. Then James goes on and he teaches us sort of as he still has in the back of his mind from the previous few weeks, this this motif, this theme of, of trials. James teaches us what to do in life when we're going through a trial. When something has sort of set us back, when we begin to doubt the Lord, James teaches us what to do. Did you you notice that? In verse 17, 
James says these gifts come down from the Father of lights. Oh, beloved, an entire sermon can be preached on this, but I won't preach another sermon over these few words because you still got a lot of turkey in your system. You're probably still tired. So let me go on. He calls him the father of lights. James says it should comfort us when we think of situations that are too hard, that God is able, that he lacks no power. And the reason why we can remember that is because it is God who created the lights. Sometimes in the midst of trials, sometimes in the midst of heartache and hardships, James says the best thing that we can do is go outside at night and simply stargaze. Look up and, and, and ask questions to ourselves. Say, say, who, Stephen, who, who created the stars? And I say, well, well, Stephen, God did. And say, well, well, Stephen, if if God created those things, how did he create them? We say, well, well, Stephen, he created them easily by the word of his power. They say, well, Stephen, if, if he did that, if he's the father of lights and he created the stars and the, the moon, look directly up at those things, not at the sun, not directly. I don't want you to blind yourself. If he did that, what does that mean for your current situation? Does, does God lack any power or control or authority? James says the best thing that we can do when we begin to doubt who God is, is to go outside and just trace the stars. He is the father of lights. And if he can create the lights by the word of his power, brothers and sisters, he can handle your situation. He can, he can handle that. But not only that, it, it keeps getting gooder. James says he's the father of lights. Don't miss that first part. He is father. It's not like you, you know somebody over there. It's not like you're name dropping, right? Like, I, I know somebody over there who created the lights. No, you don't name drop when it's your own father. James said, it, it is your father who has created those things. He is powerful, but he's also daddy. He is big, but he's also gentle to his kids. He speaks things into existence, and he also speaks comfort into our lives. He brings us into storms, but he also speaks peace, and storms are quieted. So we're not just stargazing and looking up and calling him, you know, the father of light. James said, I want you to let that word father marinate. Our Heavenly Father is powerful. He created all of this. But oh, James isn't done. Because what if we ask ourselves the question, what if our Heavenly Father is just like our earthly fathers? What if he changes? Oh, he's good now, but what if the cares of this world cause our Heavenly Father to change, much like majority of our earthly fathers have done? James goes on, verse 17. He's the father of lights. 
He gives good and perfect gifts. And then notice this, beloved. Who does not change like the shifting shadows? Our God gives good and perfect gifts. Our God is the Father of lights. And beloved, he never changes. God, you you were good to me when things were going well. Are you going to be good to me when things are going poorly? James says, yep. God, you you were good to me when my marriage was perfect. Are you going to be good to me when my marriage is struggling? James says, yep. God, you were good to me when I had a job. Are you going to be good to me if I lose this job? James says, yep. God, you were good to me before the pandemic, but in the midst of this thing, are you going to be good to me? James says, yep. God, you were good to me during the last president. Are you going to be good to me during this president? James says, yep. Our father never changes, beloved. 2020 has been a year of everything changing. Everything around us has been shifting in tectonic shifts, but James steps in to remind us everything around us is shaking, but not our rock, not our foundation. Our Father, He never changes. Let's let's go to verse 18 and and see how good God really is. I love it. James just keeps unwrapping this gift. And when we're done unwrapping one gift, he brings another gift. Look at verse 18. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of all creatures. Let's let's combine two thoughts here. Let's combine this first thought that God never changes And then let's combine this second thought that enters in in verse 18. He saved us by his own choice. If any of those things were not true, beloved, our salvation would be in jeopardy. If God never changed, but he saved us based upon something inside of us, then our salvation would be in jeopardy because we have changed. Or on the flip side of the coin, if God was a changing God, but his salvation was by his own choice, well, then God can change. He saved us by his choice, but he can can take back that choice if God was a changing God. But James says, beloved, both are true. He never changes, and he saves us by his choice. I love that, those two words, his choice. God saved us because he chose to save us. That's, you know, some of the best advice I got when, when Mandy and I were getting married. My wife and I get married. He said, hey, Stephen, love, love is a choice. Love is not a feeling that the culture places on you. You are making a decision, a covenant, a choice to love this person. And I love that James says this. He chose To love us, not because, beloved, of anything in us. Not because of what we brought to the table. The only thing we we brought to the throne of God was our own sin. The only thing we had to offer was our brokenness. The only thing we can sort of fall back and say, Lord, will you take this, is our tattered clothing. And he saved us. 
Not, not because of that, but because God chose to save us. Oh, I, I, I love the choices of God. I, I love that in the midst of everything, we have a choice that remains steadfast. And that is God saved us. He gave us birth by his own choice. Let's, let's wrap this whole thing up like this. This whole text, brothers and sisters, is pointing us directly to Jesus Christ. James says every good and perfect gift, right? Every good and perfect gift. Who is more gooder and who is more perfect than Jesus Christ? No one. Every good and perfect gift. Well, what's the best gift that you can give? James is sort of turning our heads and having us look to Jesus Christ. There is none gooder, none more perfect than Jesus Christ. James says these good and perfect gifts come down from above. You remember in the Gospel of John. John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Well, John says that the most perfect gift that was from above is Jesus Christ. He came down to earth to save us. James says the gift doesn't change. It's not here one moment and then changes its mind. It's not good one moment then loses its strength. It gets better and better over time. This is why Jesus says in the gospel, I haven't lost one of you. Everyone whom the Father has given me. Oh, I've kept. Oh, that's, that's a gift that doesn't Change. Christ saves us, but he also preserves us and he keeps us. James is, is, is turning our eyes towards Jesus. James says he gave birth. This is why Jesus went into that long discourse with, with Nicodemus and kept saying to him, Hey, man, you have to be born again. How, how, how can I be born again? What does that even mean? Can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born? And then Jesus tells Nicodemus, plainly, everyone, everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. Listen, I, I want you to leave this morning. I want you to leave this sermon thinking and understanding that the best gift the Father can give you He's already given. The best gift that the Father of lights can give you and I, he's already given in the person of Jesus Christ. What can be better than us and full of our rebellion and sin? What can be better with us hating God and turning away from God? What can be better than the Father loving us and sending his son, Jesus Christ, to take all that sin, all of that rebellion, and crucify it with himself on the cross. What is better than that? 
So I don't want you to look to the Father of lights and say, Father, I need another good and perfect gift. I want you to look as James does and turn your eyes to this birth and look towards Jesus Christ and say, Father, you have already given the most good. You have already given the most perfect gift, and that is found in your son, Jesus Christ. That's why I say to everyone who's watching this right now, I say the same thing that Jesus said to, to Nicodemus. If you would just believe in Jesus Christ, you will experience the best gift the Father has ever given. That is his perfect son, the one who knew no sin but became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This, beloved, is based solely upon the love and choice of the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of change. So I end this message sort of trampolining off of what James has said about the Father. Did you you hear it? He gives good and perfect gifts to broken sinners. In other words, beloved, hear James say to us, you are love.